Hi everyone, Sean Paul Ellis here from the Saturday Morning Cartoons Podcast. Remember, that's morning with a U. Some quick pre-show announcements regarding what's actually happening next month in November. Some shout-outs. And then, what are we actually talking about on today's episode? So this is our last episode for October for Spooky Cartoons. Next month, we're going to be watching and reviewing some of my favorite shows with Netflix November. We're going to be getting into BoJack Horseman, as well as also Big Mouth. We might even have a couple surprises on an episode that is coming up in the future, so stay tuned. Some shout-outs. Everybody, we have achieved our 2018 campaign to get Bobby Anthem animated. Our listener and friend Brian has drawn Bobby in a Bob's Burger style, and we will be posting it tomorrow. That's Tuesday. We'll be posting it tomorrow. It's awesome. Can't wait for you guys to see it. If you want to help us continue to get Bobby Anthem animated in another style or anything at all, any Bobby fan art that you want at all, message us like Brian did for a shout-out and some free stickers. Since Brian has been such a wonderful human, go check him out on Twitch and subscribe. Brian is under the tag Typherstein. That is T-Y-P-H-E-N-S-T-E-I-N. It's in our show notes as well. Subscribe to his channel now, please. He's been so incredibly awesome with all this art. Uh, he is now Twitch affiliated and he's pushing towards getting partnered. Show him some love. I mean, I love video games. I hope you love video games. So just check him out. Brian's the best. Appreciate it, Brian. Thank you, man. Also, from last week's episode, have you guys picked up Rory Lucy's book? It's titled Jonesy, Nine Lives and the Nostromo. You can get it now on Amazon. Make sure that you check it out. Last week, we had an opportunity to interview him. Go support a friend of the show, please. So what are we talking about today? We are talking about Teen Wolf. Yeah, you remember the movie? Well, they made an animated version of Teen Wolf, and it changes the canon from the movie a lot. I'm joined by friends and performers Nina Shu, who did not watch a lot of cartoons as a kid, and she'll explain more why, and Chris Ulrich, who helped us answer the question, is it werewolf or werewolf? So are you guys, as you're listening, are you Team Werewolf or Team Werewolf? All that and more on today's episode. So now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series coming to you all the way from Wolverton. I'll be your host, Sean Paul Ellis. Joining me today, someone who is ready for a howling good time, we have DC-based performer Nina Shu joining us. Welcome, Nina. Hello. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us because you this is your first time on the show. Correct. Speaking of first times as well, joining us today with some pointy ears, menacing teeth, and a lot of body hair. We have body language expert and DC-based performer Chris Ulrich joining the show for the first time. Welcome, Chris. <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, welcome, welcome me. Thank you, John. I'm, uh, I'm honored to be here. I went deep. I was in Wolverton for a second. I'm back. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Thanks Absolutely. for having me. No, thank you, guys. We've had a, uh, obviously a lot of very strange um, wolf-related puns and jokes they're probably not going to get any better from this point forward uh, especially when we discuss some of the uh, some of the dialogue from this show as well but we are of course if you're not familiar talking with the animated series teen wolf as 
all of our discussions, I want to open this up because there's a lot kind of involved in Teen Wolf. And so, Nina, I want to, I want to ask, what, what's your relationship with Teen Wolf? What, did you know about this cartoon? Did you know about the movies? How, what, what is Teen Wolf's special place in your heart? It did not have one um, <laughs> until un, un, until I was invited to watch an episode and come talk about it. However, however, in earlier discussions just before we got or just before we started, I did have one reference to Teen Wolf, which is that uh, maybe this shows my age. I was watching the show Jane the Virgin, um, and the show Jane the Virgin recently had an episode arc that featured Adam, and I can't remember his last name, but he was the the main character of the remake of Teen Wolf, which, Sean, you told me, has been on MTV. Correct. But as far as, like, the original movie or the thing with Michael J. Fox or Jason Bateman, totally no knowledge at all. Totally no knowledge mm-hmm. at all. Wow, wow. Uh, yeah, I, we were, we were kind of talking about the fact that, like, there have been so many iterations of Teen Wolf from the original movie with Michael J. Fox to Teen Wolf 2 with Jason Bateman. And then we had the animated series kind of like thrown into the mix. And then 20 years into the future, somebody was like, we want a sexier Teen Wolf. <laughs> like we want to remove all the magic. We want to remove all the vampires that we had in the franchise Twilight. And we just want the brooding machismo of dudes with lycanthropy just hulking out and like howling at the moon and at each other. And MTV was like, yeah, greenlit, done. We're going to make four seasons of this. What do you do? I'm on the show on MTV about werewolves doing the deed. Oh, <laughs> uh, Chris. Well, Chris, this brings up a, g- a great question for you then. What was your relationship with Teen Wolf? Uh, where where does this land for you? The the cartoon I had never, I didn't even know there was a cartoon. So you brought it up. I'm a, Nina's, I'm a Camp Nina on that. And, uh, but I did, I, for some reason, I feel like, was there ever a movie before Michael J. Fox did it? I mean, there've been a lot of werewolf movies. No, that was like focused on this whole theme. So about like adolescence, uh, like lycanthropy and werewolfism (laughs) as a way to describe adolescence. Well, was there, uh, was the, um, Fox movie, a remake of an earlier version of this? Uh, you mean the original Teen Wolf? Yeah. I actually don't know. So, because I, I could have sworn that when I, I remembered elements of it, because when I and when I went back and watched clips of um, Michael J. Fox doing it, I didn't remember that as much, but I remembered an earlier version in my head. It could have just been one of my hallucinations, but um, but uh, but when going back and watching Michael J. Fox, uh, for me, like it was his ties to family ties. So if that's what I was, and I saw elements of Team Wolf, I, if I watched it was him, which it may very well have been. Um, I loved that. And so when I went back and watched this, I, it was my first time. I'm like, I had no idea there was a cartoon called Teen Wolf. No. I mean, we are we are three for three. I had no idea that this cartoon existed either. I was intimately familiar, and I love the first two Teen Wolf movies. Uh, they are super fun. Uh, we'll we'll kind of talk a little bit about some of the, the challenges in adapting it into a cartoon uh, because they they change a lot of the things that they set up in the first movie. And so... I think in the the progression that we had for this, we have Teen Wolf with Michael J. Fox, Teen Wolf, the animated series, Teen Wolf 2 with Jason Bateman, and then, you know, I think in 2011 is when they started the MTV Teen Wolf series, so. And was this because Michael J. Fox didn't want to come back for the sequel? Uh, I don't actually know. 
I don't I don't really know what the what the story is behind him saying like I don't want to do Teen Wolf 2. Yeah. I'm just uh, curious. Yeah, I mean I it's weird because in anticipation for tonight, I have watched a bunch of the like a lot of clips and almost the entirety of the original Michael J. Fox Teen Wolf. And so we can kind of talk about again some of the the differences that the cartoon has from the from the actual cartoon, which is kind of interesting because they they really kind of rewrite some of the the structure of the movie to maybe make it i guess and there's a big question mark behind this relevant for kids <laughs> which <laughs> right seems kind of weird but i mean again then like teen wolf the whole idea behind it was that you're a kid and you're in like middle school like, he's in high school at he's that point school, yeah. and you're right. going through like weird changes and right. your body's going through weird changes so it's a great vehicle to explain puberty right. <laughs> and, yeah, right. but then they they just kind of you know go off the rails and like, well, he's a wolf. And then everybody in that town is like, we're cool with this. Was this Teen Wolf like the the book version of, you know those books, Why Do, why do I Poop? Everyone Poops. Ever sure. see those books? Yeah. So this Teen why Wolf Why am I a it, werewolf? Why am I a werewolf? Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. why am I changing to the kids? It everybody was like, well, changes. Teen Wolf was the original, why am I changing? Well, yeah, I mean, it very well could have been. I mean, that makes, that makes total sense to me. Boom. Drop the mic, we're done. Also, as a quick question, because Nina and I have already discussed this, but Chris, are you a werewolf? <laughs> We've been both very, very concerned yes. about you. Yes. No, uh, no. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm Italian. So <laughs> it's that. <laughs> it's like being a werewolf. Only <laughs> hair grows everywhere you don't want it to grow. <laughs> oh, man, perfect. <laughs> Not weird or explicit at all. We are like already at the point where we have ventured into sort of the sexy realm of this show where this is like very clearly Saturday morning cartoons after dark. <laughs> With Chris's <laughs> Exactly. With Chris's simple statement, we've already landed square within that territory. <laughs> if you are not familiar with Teen Wolf, let me break it down. Teen Wolf, known as the Cartoon Adventures of Teen Wolf in the UK is an animated American television series broadcast from 1986 to 1987 that was produced by Southern Star Productions and Hanna-Barbera Australia in association with Clubhouse Pictures in the first season and Atlantic Kushner Lock in the second season, and it is based on the 1985 live-action film Teen Wolf. Now, the show went for two seasons and a total of 21 episodes between September 13th of 1986 and November 7th of 1987. Teen Wolf is an, if you're not familiar with the movie itself, it came out in 1985 and it is an American fantasy comedy film directed by Rob Daniels and written by Jeff Loeb and Matthew Wiseman. The film stars Michael J. Fox as an American high school student who discovers that his family is has an unusual pedigree when he finds out that he is turning into a werewolf. We, we keep talking about Teen Wolf, the movie, in reference to this cartoon, obviously because of the link that right. they have with the cartoon being so heavily based on it. Um, it's just very weird to see that, you know, uh, if you're not familiar with the movie, there's this like very iconic scene where they're all playing basketball. Like in the gym, there's a bunch of like teenagers that are in there, obviously two different sides of this basketball team. Somebody passes the ball to Michael J. Fox. Uh, like he he gets like a breakaway and he, or he gets a rebound or something like that. Falls on the ground. Everybody tries to like crowd on top of him to get the ball, and like that's the moment where he sort of uh, werewolves out. And 
like jumps up out of this like mass of people and he is just like covered in hair. And so everybody in the room recognizes at that point that like something weird has happened. Everybody starts kind of like backing away from him. It gets really like kind of like needle drop quiet in this gymnasium. And it's Michael J. Fox just like in full werewolf and he's just bouncing a basketball. He's like, <laughs> I'm going to still play. And people are like on board with it then at that point. They're just like clapping and cheering for him. In that moment, all of a sudden that change gives him like this notoriety and right. sort of fame at this high school level, you know, which is very interesting from sort of what we're going to learn a little bit about the, the plot and the synopsis for the cartoon as we begin to kind of talk about some of these differences. And to help us out, Nina is going to give us the plot. Teen Wolf and the cartoon, the series is about a teenage boy and his family who can transform into werewolves, focusing on themes of coming of age and fitting in. While generally keeping true to the main ideas, this version made some changes from the film. Scott Howard and his family live in the fictional town of Wolverton, a small town that draws tourists because of its history of werewolf sightings. Unlike the film, Scott's status as a werewolf is a secret. Despite the youth audience, the cartoon series delivered very powerful critiques of disability as civil rights. Freely invoking an asthma attack or seizure, the series centered on how Scott felt weird immediately before and during his werewolf transformation. And although he never hurt anybody while he was a werewolf, Scott was conscious of his difference from other teenagers and had to make accommodations for himself. He also expressed frustration that the residents of this town had stereotyped his people. A jock named Mick constantly picks on Scott for being the outsider at Wolverton High. Very interesting. Just to kind of see sort of the the hidden nature. I, I remember, and in, in maybe it was for one of those like television movies when they whenever they would get ready and do like a Friday night movie with Teen Wolf. And they, I remember the tagline being like, Teen Wolf, the original party animal. Because he's like at a party, like kissing girls, drinking beer, having fun, on top of vehicles, howling at the moon. He's having a great time, you know? And so this is like, kind of like a, if you're familiar with the movie, this is like a huge shock because all of a sudden it's like, we are obscuring and hiding the fact that he is a werewolf. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's kind of like uh, going undercover almost. <laughs> <laughs> no, let me free, rephrase. <laughs> undercover in the sense that it's like the total opposite. I, I, you know what? I, so not going undercover. No. <laughs> well, no, I had a moment where, were you done talking and I just jumped in? Was I not supposed to jump in? No, please. Oh, okay, got it. No. <laughs> <laughs> when I mean undercover, it's like no one can talk about him as werewolf. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a, right. a hidden thing. Right, right. So this is, it's, yeah, it's a total shift. So you that. actually, you bring up probably one of the questions that I wanted to get to during our plot discussion, Chris, but I think I can pose it right now because okay. it's, it's very quick. And I already know your answer for it too. So you didn't have to respond. Werewolf or werewolf? Werewolf. Yeah, werewolf. I say werewolf. You've, you've been saying werewolf. Werewolf. <laughs> werewolf. <laughs> what is it? Werewolf. It, it's werewolf. Werewolf. <laughs> werewolf. Yeah, you've been saying werewolf. Werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> it's a been bit. a joy to listen to it because I know that you're not aware of the fact that you're doing it. <laughs> like most of my life. <laughs> oh, perfect. It makes me wonder, though, like what the creative decision was. You know what? If we're going to do an animated series, you know, here's the twist. Yeah. 
and, and this is always what I, I guess for me is, is kind of hard to kind of break down and, and unpack is that we have this movie with Michael J. Fox, who was a rising star at that point that kind of really kind of addresses the idea of being an outsider and having feeling like your family is different and then it's weird and sort of the whole idea of puberty and, and, and changing. And so it does a great job of kind of addressing that and talking about it. And then this cartoon is like, we're just going to keep everything secret. We're going to keep everything under wraps. Uh, but we're also, this is a cartoon that like kids may have watched when they were in middle school a a about somebody who's like in high school, who's also like wearing a letterman's jacket all the time. Seems like he has like a steady group of friends who seem to be pretty nice to him, except for this one, this one jock, Mick, who seems to be a real total jackass. Uh, but at the same time, like he's, he's coping, he, he's understanding some things, uh, about everything that's going on. Like I, it just, it doesn't make sense for me. The idea of like, they created a reality in a movie and then they completely negated in the cartoon to move forward. Right. right. And I wonder who, it, who they, whose benefit is that for? Who were they like, you know what? Kids are really going to love the idea of us changing and fucking up this entire town. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Fully agree. You know, I keep thinking about it and. You, when you brought up this person who did that, I wonder if it was like the flip of that. It's like, well, that's not how life works. You just don't share stuff and people embrace you. The reality is you share stuff and people tear you apart. So why don't we make it a secret? Because if you make it a secret, then they've got to carry that burden with them. And then that's more like reality. I don't know. No, I mean, I, I think if you're playing devil's advocate with me, I think that's a great, I think that's a great defense for making that sure, choice. Yeah. I also just think it's really hard because like with the movie sort of setting the trend, of these things are are accessible it, it it they had a lot of fun with being able to do that in the live action and i i kind of wonder sometimes if they were like well we can't have like a wolf cartoon character kissing real human girls All right and like drinking beer at a party and stuff like that <laughs> and like go bowling have yeah and going bowling and having like a killer time you know right. we have to we have to put some restraint on this werewolf teenager it makes it makes me it makes me think like I wish that I would have been a fly in the room when they were making in the creative, that. Oh yeah, in that creative, creative process. Thing. And uh, that's 1980s, right? So, um, you know, think about the the era of that time, where like in the post Vietnam, everything's much more open. Get stuff out there, be transparent. In the 1980s, it's like a reverse, much more conservative, much more you know, as America swings on the pendulum. So I wonder sometimes if those were influences that affected the writing room. But I mean, I think I take your point too, but it's also the case that like the movie came out in 85, the series came out in 86. Right. Right. So like what happened yeah. in a year to go from, yes, let's, you know, celebrate and acknowledge and honor this person's, you know, status versus like no it must be a secret and he right. must carry yeah, this no, burden right. and this is what people will relate to on saturday morning that's right that's right because nothing says live your life in uh secrecy and know that you carry something a burden so great right, right. especially being a werewolf in general and werewolf. werewolf a werewolf a werewolf Okay. Yeah, I know. This is going to be a blast to hear you do this because every time you say it, I'm just going to kind of lean in and look at you. <laughs> well, uh, I see WW. <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> you know, the, uh, I, I, we, we, we want to start the discussion on Teen Wolf uh, and we would start this off how we do 
every episode is that we want to we want to talk about the theme song. We kind of want to discuss and and really kind of get into some of the nuances about this because there is a lot that is going on in this theme song. And to start us off, Nina is going to take us through her impressions. Sure. Um. So there's a lot going on, and I think maybe what struck me the most about the theme song is there's like a combination of different styles of animation. There's both a song happening as well as lines of dialogue that come in as well. And then I think there are parts of the theme song animation that then appeared in the episode itself. Correct. Um, so all of that, I was very confused. And, and we, we, have been, we have been defining uh, a lot of theme songs for, for cartoons as whether they have dedicated animation, um, whether they have recycled animation from an actual episode itself. Or if they, a lot of times they'll do both. And that's sort of a hybrid approach, you know, where uh, a lot of times we've had people say, like, I love the fact that there was something in the theme song that I saw, but then I also saw it in the episode. And so if I was paying attention to the theme song, nice little callback, sure. kind of an Easter egg for me to just kind of point to and say, oh, I, they did that during the thing. I get it. Other times it can be really distracting and kind of take you out of the situation or out of the experience itself. Then every once in a while you have one that's just like dedicated animation where like you're not going to see any of that animation in the actual show. And in some cases the quality and tone is much, much different from what you actually see in the episode proper. And so this, to your point, this is, this is probably one of the more unusual hybrids that we've ever seen. Because again, as you had mentioned, spoken lines of dialogue that are actually from the episode. That was, that was bizarre to... It made me wonder too if, because that was what we saw was the pilot episode. Correct. So if in other episodes it would repeat those lines from the pilot, or if it would be animated, like change every time for like whatever episode it was. Uh, that's a good point. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to watch. I'd have to watch a couple more episodes to 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 see if that's the case. I'd be curious to to see. I'm gonna venture to say that because of money and time <laughs> and cost savings, that they probably don't. Probably not. Or at least if they do, they did it in between season one and season two. Fair. You know, we do. Yeah. I'd be curious to kind of see what that season two uh, theme uh, theme song is, if it's any different, or if they change it in any way, shape, or form. Again, for money and time reasons, I'm gonna venture to say no, <laughs> <laughs> because it, it's curious. We. This, this show did not hit the cartoon syndication number because it had such a low episode count. Cartoon syndication happens uh, unlike comedies or, or you know uh, most syndication that we have when it hits 100 episodes. Cartoon syndication happens at 65 episodes. Oh, wow. And so this was like 21, so not even close. Mm -hmm. oh, Somebody was there and Jason Bateman was like, you know what, my movie's coming out. Teen Wolf 2. Time to wrap this up. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. Uh, Jason Bateman, I'm going to put a close to this one. Let's just uh, just knock it off. Yeah. Any additional thoughts about the theme song? Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, I guess there's, because there's the, the recycled animation, I guess, from the parts of the episode intermixed with headshots of Team sort of Teen right? like live action <laughs> yeah. Team Wolf. Is that what's happening there? Yeah, it, it's. It's interesting. Chris, go ahead. But no, I was going to say. No, no, no. I, I, I don't yeah. know. I wondered the same thing. Okay. It was like, flash, flash, Team Wolf face. Test. And I thought it was like when they did this, maybe they were in a drug-induced kind of um, 
cocaine binge. It was the uh, 80s, Chris. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? And it's like, because it's like, so much going on. And if it could be overwhelming. And it made me think of, I'm going to bring this in here, but something called movement pattern analysis part of my world. Okay. We have something like we're um, high decision loaders and low decision loaders and moderates. So if you're a low decision loader and you watch that clip, you miss a lot of the stuff in there. And you might remember pieces of it, speaking to what you just said, where something shows up, right? And it's a callback for you. You're like, oh God, that's so clever. But if you're a high identifier and you're watching that, which I, which I think you are, Nina, and I am too, it's overwhelming. You're like, it's like it's the equivalent of uh, animated verbal musical vomit that is thrown all <laughs> over you. And it's because you can't, can't separate it all because you're trying to pick up and remember what that other uh. stuff was and why that was there. So it's kind of like, uh, yeah, it's crazy. So it's like you take on a lot of decisions at the same time. So, yeah. yeah. Great. Chris, what was your impression of the theme song? <laughs> well, that. I, just <laughs> well, I mean, said. it just any um, any additional thoughts about well, it? It's like one of those uh, songs, though. Like it, it, I found it annoying on a personal, <laughs> 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 but it would stick in your head after a while. If you watched it enough, you'd be like, "Team Wolf, Team Wolf." You know, um, my vague memory of it. Um, I uh, beyond the fact that I couldn't wait for it to get done so it could get to the cartoon, um, and I too was like those moments where the Team Wolf face would show up. I don't know if that was like some. I was like, what? What? Yeah. Wait, wait. Is that him? Is that him? And then, uh, uh, but I, I, you know, when it was finished, I was happy. No, it, it is a, it's a lengthy, a little over (laughs) 60 seconds worth of a theme song. And the, the, the wolf face that we keep talking about is almost like a weird mixed media art piece. Okay. Because you have the face and the hands that look like somebody that's in makeup. Right. But then it looks like it's been kind of like brushed over in a way where it seems kind of almost cartoonish. Right but still human in form. And then if you look at some of the, the additional components that are on top of the wolf, uh, like the hat, it, it looks, it's cartoonish, but it's like very vibrant pink. Yeah. And then if you look at the, uh, the two shirts, it was like a collared shirt with right. like an undershirt under it. Yeah. They are like cartoon animated and like only partially drawn into place. <laughs> you know? So there's like a lot of like, there's a lot of blank space sort of in like the, the blue and white, kind of pattern that they have on the shirt and it looks like it was not like it was uh not like it was rushed it looks very intentional and so it looks interesting uh but at the same time like you've got like a hand and a face from teen wolf that look like there's a lot of time put and focused on it like big eyes like accentuated nose like big mouth that's kind of like smiling and talking like you know with some of the 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 words that are going on for the actual song itself you know, but it seems like it's kind of more just like kind of like moving its mouth and, and kind of <laughs> yeah. like it, it, it's it's gesturing in a way that you're just like, is it singing along or is he not singing? <laughs> like, I'm kind of I'm kind of unsure about what's going on here, but it's 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 highly unusual to see something like this. Uh, it's kind of fun, but it's it's a little bit off putting. And like you said, for somebody who's paying attention to a lot of different things, like you're you're never going to see this anywhere else in the episode this is like dedicated animation for this especially because when the series the show starts it's so much slower than right. the oh, song oh god yeah right. the song comes in so hot and like yeah. so fast and then it's like it's like <laughs> and then it's like boom, boom, boom. Mm. 
Well, it's, weird. it's weird because the majority of the song, the instruments, they have like an organ, they have drums, and they have a guitar. Right. And sort of the organ is sort of that like kind of like spooky kind of like tone to kind of like pull you in. Uh, but it, it's 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 weird. I had to write down everything that was a part of this because there, there are multiple components. You have a woman's voice at the very beginning that says, beware, Scott, when the moon is full. Oh, yes. <laughs> that's right. And, like, yeah. and that's when the organ music's like, really kind of hitting Phantom of the app like opera style, like hot and heavy. It's like, like three dog night. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's interesting to see that. And then you have all these lines of dialogue that are like Scott. And he's like, Oh no, not again. <laughs> <laughs> like He keeps flipping out. And then you have spoken word in the background from the guy who's about to sing the theme song. And he goes, it's a hairy situation. <laughs> and you're like, where the fuck is this going? Yeah, where Wolfman Jack. Yeah. Well, <laughs> But like you, you keep getting like you know these uh these things where it says like uh like hey man say don't shy if it happens to you and you're like okay what the fuck did that mean <laughs> like some of the lyrics because I had to write everything down because I, I had to parse everything out the only thing that I thought was relevant or really super interesting or actually impactful for the entire theme song was the sung line that says it's fun being different if you have a healthy attitude right. I remember that line. And I was like... It stands out oh, yeah, amongst it, the mix of madness. It really does. Uh, and so like, it, it's, it's, it's a nice line. It kind of does an interesting job to set the tone. If, again, it was for the movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, right. 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 Good point. <laughs> because in, in the show, he's just like, no, you should be ashamed <laughs> right. of like who you are and your family. And in the, you know, and in the movie, he's just kind of like, ah, he, he's coming to accept it, you know? Uh, but it, it's just it's it's a weird contrast, and so to to kind of see those moments, it, it, it's interesting. And so there's just there's so much that's on there, uh, you know, just in terms of like what they're saying, and almost all of the dialogue that's put in there that then is referenced in the actual episode is almost all from the first episode. Right, right. You know, like I even that. even the sister at the end just saying like, "Looking sharp, Scott." Just <laughs> like, was that necessary? You know, as they like, as everybody howls in the background and the theme song cuts out, you're like, oh, all right. That was a lot. I would survive that. Yeah. How do we, trust me, I've seen worse. <laughs> this is, on the scale of like bad theme songs to good theme songs, this sits like pretty squarely oh, in the middle. Oh, wow. <laughs> I wonder why you think cartoons would spend a lot of time on the, on the beginning part. Or is it at the afterthought? Because you're so busy trying to get your piece out. You know, I, I think that that's one of those things that we were saying like, fly on the room in the, the creative oh, yeah, decision yeah. process because there are a lot of people who are, you know, you, you can really make the argument a lot saying that, you know, a, a theme song can set the tone. And in a lot of cases, these cartoons almost immediately jump into the theme song. And so it's helpful to kind of give a, uh, maybe a visual or even like a, a spoken or like a title credit to kind of introduce the cast and explain some of those people who are there. And really in this, we kind of only get Scott, Scott and grandpa. Like grandpa coming through the window, which we see almost immediately in the beginning right. of the episode, because he's like, "Hey, grandpa!" And then that's like it. And that I think those are the only two people that they actually introduce. Everybody else that's in there is just kind of implied. Yeah, you know. Uh, so like theme songs can do a great job in terms of setting up the tone, identifying who the villains or the enemies are. Right. right. Uh, you know, really kind of introducing if you have like a large cast of characters that are involved. And to your point, like you said. This could be a real earworm if you heard it like a couple times, you know? 
I don't know though for us how many times we're going to be like, you know what? I'm going to listen to that six, 60 seconds <laughs> of a Teen Wolf to, to really kind of get in the mood for the day and sort of like beast it out. <laughs> when, yeah, just you made me think of the, when the grandfather comes through the window, I don't know who that is. Yeah. And right. it, it's unclear to me because right. when, when he's going in, he's super hairy. Mm-hmm. When he comes out, he just looks like uh, somebody who, in, you know, the elven, one of the <laughs> elven folk yeah. uh, that are right. in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's interesting and it's it's hard when you don't introduce those characters. You know, you kind of enter into an episode and you're like, who are these people? Like, what's the relationship? Why do they care about each other? You know, it, it's basic stuff in terms of like normal storytelling that you hope to kind of get out of the way very early and very quickly so that you can jump into a lot of other fun stuff, you know? But in this case, they don't. So <laughs> it just kind of But, like, but, right. but it's fun to be different if you have a healthy attitude. There you go. All right. Yeah, and, this is the movie. And it's funny because that line seems so different than, right, oh, I mean, yes, to the movie, but in the cartoon as you're watching it and you're listening to it, it's like that line stands out a little bit, weirdly. Especially, yeah, especially when juxtaposed with the like, oh, no, not again. Because <laughs> oh, no. he had so many, he go, like, at one point he just goes, a werewolf family? <laughs> like, it's, yes, you are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> at some point I wonder to myself, how did they manage to keep this a secret from Scott for so long? Is he kind of what you said? Like, is he somebody not really paying attention, Chris, like that much? Like, were they always werewolves around him? And he was like, yeah, I just got a lot of, got a lot of kid stuff to do. Right. You know? In, in the, one of the movie clips I was watching, it talks about like where he's having that episode for the first time. He's in the bathroom and he's going through the process of transformation. And, and his dad is like, you know, Ask, open the door, open the door, and he opens it, and he's a fair, he's already a werewolf, right? So it's like not, it's not that bad. Yes, it is, right? So, but they immediately are talking about it out and open. So that, you know, makes sense there. So, but like in this scenario, it's like, wait, wait a minute, like keeping it hush. What? Yeah, you know the yeah. transformation of that. It's interesting. But speaking of interesting, we also have the animation style for this, this show, and this cartoon, just in general. So Nina, what were your thoughts on sort of the the animation style, either regarding the the characters, the the background, the environment? What what was there anything that this made you think of? Um, so I don't have a lot of familiarity with with morning cartoons. This is your generally. first Saturday morning cartoon that you've it ever is. watched, right? This is correct, and and the <laughs> this is actually correct, and I can tell you why. I was telling Chris earlier, um, because when I was a kid growing up, I wasn't home on Saturday mornings to watch Saturday morning cartoons. I was in Chinese school on Saturday mornings, learning how to speak. I was sitting in class from wow. nine to one on Saturdays and was so jealous of my friends watching Saturday morning cartoons when instead I was in the classroom taking lessons. On how to, how to speak and on write. On how to speak, write, and read oh Chinese. My, oh, my God. I'm very sorry. Well, we are ecstatic that you could be here. <laughs> I don't take those classes now. <laughs> Guess what I just found out. You can refamiliarize yourself with 218, almost 220 different cartoons next to this guy sitting right over there. Oh my God, you're the worst, Chris. <laughs> you're the worst hype man in the world. Um, and so any uh, anything that you noticed, specifically, Nina, about the the animation style, anything, anything at all? Yeah, I guess one thing that I thought was interesting, and maybe it merges a little bit with plot, was the what they chose to animate to advance plot. And I guess what I'm thinking of is like the parts of, Scott's body that they would show transforming to indicate that he was changing from human to werewolf or werewolf if you're Chris where it would be like 
oh, first you show the ears getting pointy, then you show the mouth becoming fangs. Then they do the shot of like him looking up at his hair as it expands out and then the hair growing on his hand. Right. And I think that exact sequence happened twice in the episode because he changed at least two times. Right. But both times it was that exact sequence of like ears, then fangs, then looking up at the hair on the head and then um, the hair on the hands. Right. It's interesting to kind of see what that transformation is cartoon wise. Yeah. I mean, they're in a, they're in an area where like they don't have to worry about special effects that you would worry about in a movie. They can do anything that they want. I mean, it's, and I'll kind of talk about this when we, as we go around the horn, but it's, it's, it's baffling to see like, you know, that they, that they really mute a lot of the teen wolf transformation. I mean, when he is in, in the movie, he looks sort of like a Sasquatch, like a, like a ginger Sasquatch. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Adam is a young Chewbacca. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and in this, they're just like, oh, he's got hair on his palms. (laughs) Okay, buddy. (laughs) By those standards, I am a hair, I am a werewolf. (laughs) No, not in my paw. No, no. Anything else, Nina? Uh, No, that, that, that stood out most to me. Gotcha. Yeah. Chris, impressions about the animation. Uh, same. Uh, with, I, I, but we would watch his hands, and that was like the key thing. You know, it's kind of like when Hulk turns green. Yeah. You know, uh, but, uh, and then the actual the cartoon itself made me think of like um, Scooby-Doo. You know, yes. like yeah. that, that era, right. era and those colors that were used. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of brights. Like, uh, I can't remember, the car's like a deep red that stuck with me. And so I found the colors appealing in, in it, actually. You know, I enjoyed uh, that element of it. So it was visually, I didn't mind it. I, I enjoyed it. For me, I will say that you're, you're correct. I had a lot of, uh, because this was done by Hanna-Barbera Australia. Okay, I didn't know that. There was a lot of Hanna-Barbera uh, influence that it, it had, as well as also, uh, I saw a lot of Ruby Spears, which was a, a cartoon production company that did a lot of uh, cartoons during the like the late 70s, early 80s. And, and so... A lot of the the simplicity of the character design, uh, you know, a couple bright colors, you know, that they had, like primary bright colors um, mixed with very little shading. Right. Very little None. shading oh, yeah. for the actual right. characters themselves, which is like kind of classic Scooby-Doo, you know? And the weirdest thing is, and this is, this is like, this is a callback from 219 episodes <laughs> ago when we first did our first episode with a cartoon called Turbo Teen that surprisingly enough is a contemporary because it came out in 1984 and 1985. And so Teen Wolf would have come out the, the next year. There is a character that is in Turbo Teen. His name is Brett Matthews, who almost looks like Scott, like down to the haircut. And if you made the Brett character in Turbo Teen a little bit taller and put a letterman's jacket on it, Scott. it's Scott. Oh, interesting. It, it's, oh, wow. it's almost Scott. Like huh. it's, Creepy to see it. Turbo Teen is where a kid uh, turns into a car based on whether or not he's uh, he gets hot, exposed to hot or cold temperatures. I bizarrely think I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, and so that's like kind of like we're we're talking about sort of like the secret nature and like the shame behind sort of these uh, body transformations, or in the case of Turbo Teen, body horror, uh, because like his arm becomes a like a tire, and like his body just like morphs into this disgusting car. What? 
pretty funny. I don't I don't want to say the car is disgusting, but the process of him like moving and shaping his body is truly kind of Cronenberg. Oh. Like it's, <laughs> it's it's weird to watch, you know. But uh, one other thought is like, when, based on what you said, that's that's interesting to hear because when I watched the animation of this, I felt it felt really familiar to me. Yeah, you know, and the, and now that I know why from your description, it's like oh, so it felt very comfortable to watch and again to a lot of like scooby-doo you know the character animation was very simple but then if you look at some of the the detailed background and environment that they have it is very intricate Mm. there's a lot of stuff at some point when they they show sort of the town and they kind of pan over like the werewolf uh kind of history that the town has and sort of the economy they built off of the fact that they have werewolf sightings uh it's like really detailed it's very intricate and it's it's very funny too because to to Nina's point when you were just like it's interesting to see what they animate, it was interesting for me to see uh, what they didn't animate. There were a lot of times like there's a there's a a scene where we have like two people in a car and they're driving across town, and they're it's shot from like it's shot from a wide view, and you just see the car on like a two D plane just mm-hmm. kind of like moving across, but it's far enough away that a conversation's happening, but they're not even animating the mouth. Like you see one character, but you know two are in there because the previous shot had established that, but they are not animating that mouth at all. It's barely the tires moving around and around as they just kind of like pull them across. Like it almost looks rotoscoped and you're like, <laughs> Ooh, this looks real lazy guys. <laughs> like Hannah Barbera, Hannah Barbera Australia was like, we're going to do this, but we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. Well, okay. So if we're talking about other sequences that felt a little bit lazy. Yeah. Get then, into this wonky nature of this animation. Yeah. So one that came to mind was the part um, late in the episode where Scott has, um, is in front of the movie, the- uh, in front of the movie screen. Yeah. And he's like on his way after he's like, I think there's been like the switcheroo with the reporter and he's now trying to, oh, he's on the hunt for styles. Right. Right. And so you see his silhouette. And then you see the giant movie screen that's playing one of the four featured werewolf movies. And pretty much that sequence is like him in the shadow. And I think there's him with dialogue. But what's on the screen is basically a werewolf close up going like this over and yeah. over. Towards, yeah, right. towards him. Yeah, towards him. Like over and over again. It's like I can't imagine that some people would drive to a drive in to watch a werewolf themed movie where like. That was a good 30 seconds of the film. I would. <laughs> and Chris has. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's interesting because it was almost like in modern times, it was almost like somebody had just played a gif of a werewolf. Oh, yes. Just going yes. back and forth, mm-hmm. back and forth. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it's to like set up that couple seconds of him just being like, oh, I guess I do look like my Uncle Seymour. Which, oh, that's again, right. he is wow. not in full werewolf transformation and then very jankily animates him jumping over a fence and like out of the area where they actually have this, uh, where they have the drive-in. Right. right. You know, so it's, it's, it's very silly to kind of see some of that. To Chris's point, like it is, it's, it's accessible and it's a little bit familiar if you're familiar with some of those older Ruby Spears, Hanna-Barbera cartoons. But if this is something that you're looking at for like the first time in like by modern day standards, you're like, oh, they did wow. They are cutting some corners here, which is fine. You know, it's it's fine to be able to do some of that, you know, and it's interesting. Oh, far too often you kind of think, are they doing this because they want to really concentrate and focus on story and plot? And then when you watch the cartoon, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> 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 they weren't doing really either of those. So fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. 
I want to kind of get into some of the characters. We sort of talked about the fact in the introduction that we didn't have uh, a kind of a good roll call of some of these characters that were here. Again, we have Scott as sort of our, our lead uh, werewolf uh, that we have that's available. We obviously have, uh, he has a mother and a father. He has a younger sister. He has a grandmother and a grandfather that live with them. This comprises the sort of werewolf family that they have. Then we have some supporting characters that are in here. Uh, and it's good because it's sort of limited in scope because I think if you had made this like, if you had given us a cavalcade of different characters as a part of this high school, I would have just kind of thrown in the towel and said, I don't care about any of these people. But we have Boof, who is his like female friend. Uh, I want to say also love interest as well. I kinda... Although he doesn't know that. Yeah, yeah she's he... in love with him, that classic story, right? Yeah. Uh, we have Styles, who is, if you, which they don't really introduce him uh, at, at all in the beginning. Uh, you only know that his name is Styles because if you're familiar with the movie, and because during the actual like introduction when he's like, "There's only two people who know my story: Boof and Styles," and they kind of cut to both of them in animation that again you see in the theme song recycled into the episode. Uh, so we have him as like gray shirt and khakis guy, and then we have Pamela Wells. Uh, and she is dating an awful, terrible, toxic male named Mick. And so uh, from all these characters, I wanted to ask, uh, did you have a favorite that we, we, kind of, we kind of got into or that you had a chance to kind of experience tonight? Did you have a favorite character from this weird hodgepodge of people? Uh, <clears throat> for me, it's probably Boof. Really? Yeah. I mean, just like somebody who is like – the good friend, the girl next door, the one who was like there, you know, uh, for Scott. Um, I had some negative feelings about some of the other ones. I had a lot of negative feelings about some of these characters. No. Okay, good. We got we got one in the counter for Boof. Chris, anybody anybody for you? <laughs> the grandpa or the who's the dude that comes in the window and the, the grandfather? Grandpa, the grandpa? I just got a kick out of his physicality <laughs> <laughs> when I was watching elements of it and the way he talks. Uh Boof was the character that I was most connected to in terms of like the the gem, the hidden gem that no one sees is the gem, right? Uh, you know, I mean, who's got like the who's real the story? I think we, you know, we want to hear more about. And then just watching uh, uh, Styles and like he's supposedly the best friend, you know, and I, mean, I guess we'll get into this more, but he's the the lengths he will go to make a buck. Yeah. His whole buck philosophy is really interesting. And it's like, if you're a young entrepreneur, uh, you're like, Styles is out there trying to make a dollar, change his life for the better. Meanwhile, he's screwing people over in the process. <laughs> 1980s, hello. Well, uh, you know, I, I, think we, I think we're getting into it now, you know, just in terms of the plot. You know, we, we have this whole setup where in the theme song, he, Scott explicitly says, like, I have two people who I've trusted with my, my shame secret of turning into a werewolf. It is Boof. And it is Styles, and we find out very quickly when we're introduced to Styles. Uh, there's some challenges in terms of the relationship, and so I, I kind of almost want to uh, talk about the plot from the perspective. We're not going to go for a beat by beat breakdown, but I want to pose the question to both of you: For somebody who is a confidant who has such an important secret, is Styles a good friend? No. Can I, can I swear on this? No. Yeah, of course you can swear. He's a fucking scumbag. <laughs> Right, like if the, if you have two friends that you've trusted with your secret, you wouldn't expect one of them to be like, "Ooh, I know how to make a quick buck. 
I'm gonna take Scott's family album and sell it to the to the reporter. Yeah, it's like it's like the yeah. Let me let me out you. You know, exactly. like who am I working for here? Especially if the whole premise is that in in under this version of the show, you know, Scott's is ashamed or anxious about his secret. Yeah, right. A it's, best friend would not out him. I mean, maybe it's a tool they use to elevate the stakes, right? So they don't have anybody else to carry that out, so they put it on Styles, you know, I mean, the character. I mean, I, I think it's challenging because, like, you do have Mick is really kind of the villain, you know? Oh, yeah. And then to a, a, a further extent, I, I'll say that Scott kind of sees society and the rest of, of Wolverton as sort of the enemy as well. Right. You know, as, again, trying to kind of out him. You know, and for for commercial purposes, yeah, for commercial purposes, and I, I think for you know a story that is kind of really trying to very strongly hit the note about uh, being different and being able to accept that you're different, uh, and and again, kind of juxtaposing that in the theme song with what we actually see in the episode, it doesn't seem to make sense for me. Like there seems to be a lot of problems in terms of how you know Scott one shares the story. Uh, and then how his friend Styles just seems to be ready and willing to fuck him over <laughs> to make a hundred dollars. What's I'm trying to think of like what's a equivalent of that? Some show or TV show where that is the friends kind of does that. You know what I'm talking about? Like that character. Where do we see that elsewhere? I mean, I think that that's kind of like a standard trope of right. like best friend who's also a dick. Right. You know, and, yeah. and it's terrible to kind of see that in this cartoon because one, I think they want you to like Styles. Like, I think they want you to like kind him of, right? as a character. He has know, moments. As, yeah, as like a, as a friend, and as they set it up, like you know, they they meet in the morning, like they're getting ready to go to school, or which is fun because they never make it to school. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> you know, but like, there's there's a ton of stuff that's like going on, and Styles is there for him. You know, but Styles is there for him because it seems like it might be financially convenient right. to like fuck him over in the right. end. Uh, a couple thoughts on Scott. Yeah. I mean, you know, I imagine like he's our main character yet. What I liked about the way they, what they did with him is like, yeah, he had this secret, but he wasn't like a, uh, like an idiot. You know what I mean? But like he, he, the way he carried himself. I mean, if I could jump on the body language train wagon oh, let's do it for a second. He sits down at one point. He's popping the elbow pop, which you were doing, putting your elbow up to make yourself appear larger than you are, like to take up space and ground you, right? It's a technique that we do. But he's talking to, is it Pamela, the, one of his, his love interests? Yeah, at one yeah, point, the, the woman. He puts his arm up, popping the elbow. He's like, hey. So, and he's, and he, you know, they could have, he could have come across really creepy. And I think he's on the edge. Um, but, uh, but he's trying to get his yearbook back. But at this, this, or his family photo album, photo album back. Uh, but it was interesting. He's open in his body language. He's like, he's not um, like weak in character. He's not, he's got a, he's a backbone to him, his character. Like there's a sturdiness that you don't, that somebody, and then, but he's carrying this secret with him everywhere he goes. So like if you're watching that and you have your own secrets, I think it resonates. You might, like two lives. You're this guy, you're trying to get along, every, you know, in the, in your world and that you carry this secret and, how many times do you hear it, like somebody saying, you know, they're living the life, but they've always carried this secret with them, right? So I think right. they did a nice job of kind of setting that up for us. That yeah. here's a guy of contrasts, seems to have it together, comfortable talking to women, 
you know, at that age. He seems to be confident. Confident, you know, he's like, like everybody, oh, my family. But then on top of it, <laughs> now he's got this, like, my family and this secret, and I have to deal with this. I got two people, and one of the two people I mentioned is could screw me over at any moment. How stressful that must be. Uh, that, that, that would be cripplingly stressful for me <laughs> to have to deal with. That just seems like it's almost too much. Right. You know, to, to have a friend that you're like, I'm going to hang out with you all the time. And you're like my confidant for all this stuff. But like, don't fuck me over. Oh, he's fucking me over. Yeah. And and Mick, who plays like, that's the bully, right? Yeah. The boyfriend. Correct. And he's like almost societally to me. Oh, God, he's terrible. Like that asshole. Yeah. Do you know that that element, that energy that we see so much today? You know, so it's like so troubling. So not only is he got the secret he's carrying, he's got to deal with Mick, who just represents that kind of closed-minded you know, this way, and this is know your place right, kind right, of order, right. which we, we're seeing a lot. What today. are you doing talking to my girl? Right. Um, she's an independent woman. She can talk to whoever she wants, but not back then. Everything's <laughs> my girl. Get over my, like she's a piece of property. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, can, can we talk about the juxtaposition of Pamela versus Buff? Yeah, let's do this. Okay. <laughs> All right. I got some <laughs> thoughts on this. Please. Right. So we have Pamela, who is the person that Scott is romantically interested in. She has the long hair. She's drawn to have like a big chest and like the very, very like, you know, very thin waist she has on the skirt. Also, when we first see her, she's walking a dog and eventually the, she like jumps in a car with Mick and the dog just runs off. <laughs> right? Animal abandonment. Yeah, her, her dog named Daisy. Daisy. She has. Yeah. yeah. Who's huge. Right. And, and, uh, and love Scott. <laughs> for being an independent woman you know she she's like oh mick's gonna kill you if she sees that if he sees that you're talking to me very high-pitched voice and then you have buff right your girl next door animated and much stockier right like short hair bangs and she's and she's the one who's there for scott all the time right the juxtaposition i found was striking and i think it's interesting too because you know the the whole posit that we have for this is the the central idea that this this family photo album that the grandmother shares at the breakfast table it has all of scott's family lineage and again like all the photos are really dark because they were taken by torchlight which <laughs> yeah was this dracula yeah was that was that, were they like stone sketches or like <laughs> did somebody do a painting like late at night and they're just like we're gonna do an entire black wash and then a whole bunch of gradients right. like you know it's just there's a lot of, uh, I mean, they're they're definitely trying, and in some cases they're doing a decent job of injecting a little bit of humor that's in there, you know, to to kind of help fully flesh out and realize the fact that like this is a family who does care about each other, and that they they have ties, and that this isn't like a one-off instance, right? You know, this is this is like, this seems like it's been multiple generations. You know, we don't really know how far back, but. You know, there's like generations of these werewolves uh, that are available. And the thing that was really surprising to me was the whole idea that like, it was very surprising to me to kind of see the, the fact that Scott is worried if this book gets out, which again, he carries the book out of the house. So he kind of shoots himself in the foot within the first like two minutes of the show. And then he says, if people find out about my family secret, I'd never get a date. <laughs> and it's like, do you think that, I'm pretty sure you'd be dead. Given the context of like 
the society that you've created where this is now a secret and it's a shame for you, like, I'm pretty sure those people who were taking photos by torchlight would now appear in the, like, 1985, 1986 with, like, again, probably guns and shoot your family <laughs> for being different. That's right. You know, it's... But it's interesting that like his big concern is he's like, I'm never going to get a girlfriend. I'm never going to go on a date. Like, how am I going to be that original party animal? Well, what I wondered with that was if it's, you know, being forced to carry that weight yet still in an, as an adolescent or early teen trying to live the life of a teen. But yet, you, unlike other teens who may not experience this kind of thing, you're carrying that burden. So you're coming of age faster. I don't know if that was a message maybe they were trying to play with. I think that there's a lot of messages. You know, I, I mean, even to the point that we're talking about Mick, I think that they're in some way, I mean, again, this is the 80s, and I'm, I'm not going to make any excuse for their creative decision and the, the process that they went through for making this, as well as also some of the language and dialogue. But, I mean, you can tell that, that it's very heavily influenced uh, by male writers. You know, for the fact that, like, we've got Mick with, like, lines. He, uh, you know, he says, uh, Pam's my girl. Stay away if you know what's good for you. You know, and uh, we've talked about, you know, the, the sense that, you know, Pam herself says, like, he'll kill you. Like, he will kill you. Like, he is negligent with my dog. <laughs> he, will, he will murder you. <laughs> you know, like, I, I just, I, I think. Yeah, it is intense, and like yeah. it, it's it's weird because it's not just like it's not a one off where you see it where you're like, eh, maybe there's been a history where, you know, Scott has been like flirting with Pam in the past, and it's something that like has made the relationship between Pam and Mick kind of you know on the rocks. No, it's just everybody seems like they're kind of shitty about everything that's going on, and and Pam could just do so much better for herself. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah what's that say about Pam's character? <laughs> Like, or like even the part in the car where uh, Scott is in the car with her and then he's covered in darkness and he changes and his voice deepens. Yeah. And she's like, oh, Scott, what's happened to your voice? You sound so much more macho. Uh, yeah. Big time. Can I uh, the clarification in that moment? I yeah. was confused for a second. because Does he get in the backseat at a certain point? Because I think that's where he thinks the photo album right. is. But when he comes back up and he's the werewolf and it's not dark. Like oh, it is one. conveniently not dark there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I should have a bell to your listeners every time I say werewolf. Um, Ding. Uh, <laughs> it's a bell that's in my heart, buddy. Werewolf. <laughs> is it werewolf? Werewolf. 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 Oh, the wolf. Wolf. Okay. Okay. But uh, does she see him? Yeah. I mean, as, some, as it, the werewolf? Yeah. At, at some point towards the very end, yes. because he says, like, I feel, he says, I feel like an animal. But he's doing it in a way where he's like, when I'm around you, I feel like an animal. Right. To which then she makes the response that Nina had commented on. She's like, what's up with your voice? You sound so show. Well, in the following um, episodes, is it is it like the movie in the sense that all of a sudden after seeing, now he's starting to come out slowly to people, so it becomes more and more accepted. And by the end of the series, is he out there? You know, I actually don't know. I mean, uh, we've, you know, the, the challenge with all of this is that, you know, obviously for anybody who's listening, who is a fan of Teen Wolf, the animated series, if you guys are listening, we are making a, a very clear snap judgment based right on that first episode. Correct. That, that small right. nugget that we have from the two seasons of this show with episode one being Teen Wolf's family secret. And so, you know, as, as an idea for what happens for the, the rest of the series, 
I mean, I, it, it's kind of, it'll be up to, it'll be up to listeners right now to kind of make the distinction of whether or not they kind of want to delve further into Teen Wolf, uh, or if our recommendations are going to persuade or dissuade them, uh, later on in the episode. Side note, I mean, one of the other characters that, um, so there's the grandmother, right? And the grandmother, right. uh, very clearly has a Transylvanian accent. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Very, right? very thick. And so it seems like the implication is that essentially the family has at some point immigrated, or at least the grandmother immigrated from somewhere else into Wolverton. And so if we're talking about themes of acceptance and trying to fit in, like that's another opportunity that the show could have had to talk about how do you deal with feelings of being an outsider, where again, the message of like, hide it, hide it, yeah, um, is, is a different creative choice. I, you know, I, I just, I think it's always weird, you know, because at that point, and maybe this is just because I have recently binged uh, on the Netflix series, uh, all of season two for the Netflix series, Big Mouth, uh, which just recently came out with uh, Nick Kroll, John Mulaney, uh, an extremely talented voice cast of everybody who's in there, but they they talk heavily about uh, childhood shame in this cartoon, and so uh, you know it, it's it's interesting to kind of see the fact that in that show they're doing a great job of defining it, explaining everybody's individual shame and what people are sensitive about and what you can be vulnerable about, but then also coming to a point that is healthy where you can accept those differences, like you can figure these things out. You know, and and you can uh, work with what's comfortable for you in that moment. You know, you can change at any point in time. You know, you can make a new decision. Uh, but it's just it's interesting to see that, like for this, it's like very heavily shame based, and like the motivating factor for his shame is like whether or not he's gonna like get a girl. And so, as like, that as as that a success, right, for somebody that age? Yeah, and like, and that that's hard. It's like. You know, I, you know, <laughs> I'm assuming that, and I, I can't speak for everybody, but you know, anybody who is in that like awkward middle school and high school era, like era where you're a horny teen and you're trying to have conversations with the opposite sex and, you know, or, or same sex, you're trying to have a conversation with somebody that you find attractive, that you're interested in, you know, that you'd like to be more than just platonic friends with, you know, and, and that's, that's hard, you know, that that's always that's always a hard thing, but like, is that really, and I guess this is a great question is like, is that a measure of success? And like, why do we keep indicating that as, as a level of success? Why do we keep kind of pegging this for the fact that like we have Pamela, we have Pam who presumably is a cheerleader, you know? And so she's at a specific uh, social status or hierarchy within that high school. Yeah, the popular girls. Yeah, so we have her. Uh, that's there and she's obviously dating this jock again you know has a specific status you know that's a line and like we keep taking these tropes of, of sort of where we are and, and these people and and measuring and defining it against that level of success and I just in some point I just I don't feel it's healthy I mean maybe I did when I was a kid but a new decision right now like it just doesn't feel like it's it's a complete idea well it makes me think two things one is uh, the era the time, right? I mean, Breakfast Club comes out a few years before the show. Right. And it's very much kind of similar. You're, you're making me think that the shame-based stuff is really interesting. And maybe the, I don't know this, I'd love to ask, be that fly, to ask the following question to the writers in the room. Was this um, 
you know, this is what kids are dealing with at this point, so we're writing it through that frame, not making the judgment of, hey, uh, basing your success on financial or your ability to get the girls or, you know, the male mentality. I don't know. Uh, I think it's it's even further complicated by the fact that uh, later in this episode, we have this moment where Styles is trying to make a quick buck. Oh God! Oh, God. Yeah. Which time? Yeah. Well, so I had to I had to write this down because this is uh, this is just so funny. So we have, and this is going to be an old sounding sentence that I say right now. We have Styles on a payphone phone uh, with a, a newspaper reporter, yeah. <laughs> a local newspaper reporter, and he's having a conversation. He goes, "What would you pay for a picture of a real werewolf?" And there's like a pause in the animation kind of almost like pauses. Mm -hmm. And then it kicks back in when he's like, all right, I like those high numbers. Which we again come to realize that like it's a hundred. It's a hundred bucks. It's a (laughs) hundred. Like he would, he would throw his, he would out his friend for a hundred bucks. On the actual dollar bill that he pulls back, you know, that's maybe a different moment where he's, is that a hundred dollar bill? No, it's one dollar. It's a one dollar. Yeah. So that's where he. He would sum up for a dollar. Yeah. Yeah. And I, but uh, we, we go through this whole process of learning that this is the amount. And so the, the whole thing kind of comes to this conclusion at this drive-in where Styles is trying to do a switcheroo with, uh, with Mix or, or Pamela's uh, has now obtained a copy of the, the family photo album and uh, her and Scott have switched. And so he has like a copy of her yearbook. She has a copy of the family photo album. Styles is trying to intervene as kind of a middleman to kind of uh, go through this process, but he's also selling werewolf clothing outside of this drive-in. Dressed as a werewolf. Dressed as a werewolf, but at some point he just goes, we have everything you need to be ugly. And I was oh. like, what fucking hurtful language wow. is in this? I was, yeah. like, I was like, one, you're dressed up in actually fuller werewolf gear than your friend who <laughs> continues to puberty transform into a quote-unquote werewolf but then you have the nerve and the gall to just be like my buddy's ugly dress like my ugly friend and it's like it feels so insulting through and through i don't know there was a part where i was ashamed kind of like watching the show i was like oh boy what did i get into because again you know for me like my nostalgic anchor is the movie both of the movies and i love both of those movies they're fun you know they're again they're like fantasy coming of age you know uh movies you know they're, they're not supposed to be taken seriously and i feel like this kept trying to put a serious note or thread through the entire story and i was like i don't know that that works i just don't know that it works within the context of this the show <sighs> i mean to maybe 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 there's the possibility that over the course of the two seasons in order to get to a place of acceptance where scott is okay and um has a healthy attitude about his situation they had to start from a place of like it's all terrible yeah i mean maybe i I, I don't know no no i I could see that if that's what they're if that's what they're going to set up and the trajectory that this show is going to go in, I think that that would be an interesting journey, you know, of kind of the whole town just being like, you know what, we got a werewolf family among our mix. And then at that point, I just feel like it's sort of like that true blood thing 
where after the first season you're like, and we also got vampires, and we got weird wood elves, and there's Banshees. orgies, there's orgies in the the fucking park, and you're like, and everything's yeah. just a weird monster. Right. Look right. how far we've come. Look how far we've come. Look how progressive <laughs> Wolverton is as a society. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, that would be I'd be I'd be okay with that. Yeah. You know, I'd be okay with that. But I'm going to venture to say that, again, for time and money. <laughs> yeah, probably, right? They, yeah, they weren't thinking about these larger issues. Or maybe they were. <sighs> and, and also, like, putting ourselves, you know, obviously today when we watch it, we have a much very different read. You know, you know, we're talking this on the way out. Like, putting ourselves back in those shoes back in the 1980s and watching this, would it be, um, you know, would, would these things be glaring to us? It's always fun to kind of see these snippets of time in terms of societally what people were writing to, what their concerns were, what they identified as being potentially important for in a child's cartoon to kind of highlight and spearhead um, and what issues they were dealing with, you know? And so it's, I mean, watching this cartoon, I would have been probably six or seven years old. And so I guarantee this would have gone right over my head. You know, I would have been like, ah, he's a werewolf. Cool. That would have been it, you know? And I mean, and that's the part is that, you know, we get a chance now to, to kind of watch this as adults with a more critical lens. And I, you know, and the challenging thing is, is that for like the toxic male masculinity that we have in this, given the current climate that we have within our country, it's just, it's timely. All the more glaring. Yeah. It's really, it's really kind of weird to watch. It's hard to watch in some cases. So. Yikes. Any final thoughts or questions about the plot of Teen Wolf that we need to get answered. I feel like Chris is looking up the word werewolf to be like, am I, am I saying this wrong? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, there's an old, there's an L and an F at the end of it. Uh, All right. Well, listen, while we're, uh, we're coming out about secrets, um, I come from a family of werewolves. So there's a subtribe, the werewolves, and the difference of the two, you know. So this show for me spoke to my family's deeper um, read on this. That's why I say yeah. werewolf, because my people are werewolf. Well, I, you know what? I apologize, and I feel like a real piece of shit that I've been giving <laughs> crap about it for the last hour. It's okay. It's cool. I'm just yeah, gra- glad to come clear and not have um, Styles, either of you be Styles, and yeah, sell no. me out to the Washington Post. I was going to say, we're glad to have you among us. Oh. Did you just howl? Did you just give a little time? <laughs> That's what werewolves do. Did you just go howl? It's like we're saying cool with that. We just say owl. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. Well, we obviously have opinions, and we are going to have an opportunity to say whether or not, in a moment, we recommend or don't recommend this cartoon. But hey, guess what? You listening right now. Yeah, you. You have opinions about these shows. And so we have scoured IMDb to find a couple of your opinions. We are now going to turn it over to longtime friend of the show, Bobby Anthem, for this week's Love It or Hate It. Bobby, take it away. This week's Love It is titled Teen Wolf Cartoon Equals Mankind's Finest Hour. The half hour, actually. By 8Ball420 in March 2001. This guy says, I guess I'm the only one who remembers this show, or watched it for that matter, but Teen Wolf the cartoon was an 80s classic. In fact, if I had to define the 80s with one form of media, film, television, music, I would have to say Teen Wolf the cartoon. 
I think in the years to come, this show will be heralded as an important step in not only Saturday morning television, but for mankind as well. And our Hate It is titled From a Bad Movie to a Boring Cartoon by Joseph P. Ulibis in July 2004. Joseph wrote, Teen Wolf 1986 was a Saturday morning cartoon based upon the movie Teen Wolf. Like the movie, the cartoon was pretty bad and very unnoteworthy. A lot of cartoons that are based on movies came out during this time period. To this day, I haven't found one that was slightly entertaining. The cartoon featured a cheesy Teen Wolf logo whenever some action occurred. I couldn't take the animated series any more than I could bear watching the original movie or its lame sequel. Why don't these animation creators get some imagination or make another retread of a classic cartoon character? What is the purpose of remaking a bad movie into a television animated series? They'll never learn. Please avoid. It's not worth watching. Perfect as always, Bobby. I do not agree with that last uh, hate it saying that it was a bad movie. I think in no way, shape, or form it was a bad movie. I think Teen Wolf is one of those great quintessential 80s films that is, uh, is fun and still has a lot of humor and some heart in it. So uh, we are now at the point where we are going to do our recommendations. And so we are going to get a chance to go around the horn and say whether you recommend the Teen Wolf or whether you do not recommend Teen Wolf to our listeners. And again, if you do not recommend Teen Wolf, you can go one extra step and you can give it the dip. And if you give it the Roger Rabbit style dip, it erases it from the annals of cartoon history forever, just within the context of the show. So Nina, we're going to start with you as our guest. Thank you so much for being here. Do you recommend Teen Wolf? I cannot recommend Teen Wolf. <laughs> um, and, and I would be inclined to give it the Roger Rabbit dip, but I won't just because I only watched the first episode and I'm going to give it the benefit I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt that over the course of the two seasons, maybe they start from a very shameful place to work their way to a place of acceptance. But I can't recommend it. Understood. No, no. I think that that's a good point. Chris. Well, in the words of uh, Joe Randazzo, who's been on one of these uh, podcasts with you, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm with Nina. Wouldn't recommend it as if you're going to invest your time and energy. And, and maybe uh, I'm not going to give it the dip sit for the same reason. Maybe they get there. Um, and, but if, if you're watching this as an adult and you want to see where our culture has come full circle since the 80s, oh, um, shit. step right back into this and watch it from that perspective because it's very fascinating, the ongoing kind of fight if you're into it as an adult to watch, you know, uh, culture finding its cyclical path. And with each other cycle, the fight deepens and, and it goes back and forth culturally. So from that perspective, I found it uh, interesting to watch, to look back on from that time period. That's how I would invest my time if I was going to watch it, based on at least the first episode. Understood. No, thank you, Chris. So we have two not recommends, but no dips. We're going to go three for three. I am not going to recommend this as well, but I'm also not going to give it the dip. I'm not going to give it the dip because I love, I love the first and the second Teen Wolf movies a lot. Uh, but I'm not going to recommend the show because of what I think they do in terms of the story and a lot of the changes that they apply 
as well as also kind of the focus that they have for Scott. I, I, they created this really interesting world in the movie where he had that notoriety, he had that popularity. You know, it was something fun that he was coming to accept himself inside. And then I feel almost to, to sweep the, the rug out from underneath him and be like, we're going to approach this from a place of shame and from a, a place of secrecy. I think it kind of does a huge disservice, you know, because as a cartoon, you're given a lot of opportunity to kind of evolve and create new and interesting worlds and characters. And so I have to always think, and Nina and Chris were all improvisers within the DC area, you know, we will perform under the context or with the idea in mind, if this is true, then what else is true? And I feel like this could be a fun opportunity for them to bring in a lot of those other characters, for them to kind of build off of the world in a way that they maybe couldn't do within the actual movie. Because again, the movie itself is only like maybe 90, it's a little over 90 minutes. And it, you know, it's, it's a high school kind of feel good coming of age comedy, comedy fantasy, you know, type of a movie. And for the cartoon that's going to run much longer than the movie itself, you have a lot of opportunity to be able to take those characters, elevate them, move them around, see what some of the fun things could be, you know, where they could, uh, they could continue to be a star. They could continue to kind of accept those things that are different about them and, and help other people kind of come to that, uh, that same understanding as well. You know? And so to, to be able to say or have Teen Wolf just be like, hey, Dracula teen, like, there's no reason you should feel bad about you know, the fact that you can only come out at night and you've got fangs. Like, I feel like there's a lot of opportunity to have very clear messaging about acceptance mapped into a monster society for children in the 80s. And I, I kind of feel like this was sort of a, uh, a failure to be able to do that. And so it's kind of, a, kind of a bummer to see that. But sort of, it's also very interesting at the same time to see that they were like, you know what? We're going to change and flip the script on this, but we're going to retain a lot of the same characters that we had from the movie itself. And so for me, it's kind of fun to see some of those characters, but it's it's not as strong as a connection to say that I, I would recommend this to somebody else to watch. Oh, Amen. So there we go. That, Bummer. That's Teen Wolf. And this is, the, this is the final episode that we have in October for Spooky Cartoon Month. Um, <laughs> we left it with a cartoon that's not really spooky at all. It's more just, it's more just kind of like a head, like a putting your head in your mm. hand and just going, oh, I could go for a comforting bowl of soup. <laughs> Chicken soup made Chicken. by your grandmother. Exactly. Who may or may not be a werewolf. <laughs> From Transylvania. <laughs> oh, Scott, man. come in. Try the soup. <laughs> <laughs> oh. this came out. i don't know who uh, lives in here perfect Chris. we're now at the point where i want to thank nina chris thank you both so much for coming on and talking teen wolf with me today this was a real joy i'm glad that you were able to come over and hang out and do this likewise um, thank yeah. you yeah it's wonderful you do this Absolutely. and that you called us to do it yeah we really appreciate it you're very, very grateful welcome. to hang with you around the table of wisdom here mm-hmm. <laughs> and so i want to just check and see uh is if anybody listening would like to find you, uh, where could they find you social media wise? And if there's anything that you have coming up that you would like to let listeners know that they should come and check out. Uh, sure. So my Instagram is Nina.hsu and then the number one. Um, I'm, I don't post a lot. I post pictures of places I visit, but um, that's fun. Uh, as far as being an improviser, I perform with uh, 
the Wit Ensemble Knox with what at Washington Improv Theater with these two guys. Um, we have shows coming up. I also perform with a couple other groups: Double Date, The Hypothesis. Who do you do Double Date with? Uh, also with Chris Ulrich. Chris Ulrich and Jane White. Oh, great! Wow, that's cool. They're great. All right, thank you so much, Nina. Chris, where can the good folks find you online? Anything that you would like to plug, sir? Uh, yeah, come check out my website, www.seeyouinthemoment.com. It's uh, my body language website, and um, it's where I live and spend most of my time doing keynotes, talks, coach one-on-one with folks that want to come across and be powerful and confident in their world and be okay with that. So if the Scott's out there, if I can help you, let me know. Uh, and also I, I get to perform with these guys as well with Knox and I perform with double date and I perform with jive Turkey, um, which, uh, which I do with myself and one other guy, um, Joe Rendezza. <laughs> Hi Joe. Hey Joe. And, uh, um, uh, oh yeah. My, I too, t- my Twitter is, um, it's underscore Chris U. Exclamation point, I think. And we'll have all this information actually up in the show notes too. So uh, see you in the moment. We'll uh, we'll put that up there because it is the letter C and then the letter U in the moment for Chris Ulrich. Yeah. Awesome. All right. You heard him on this week's show, Bobby Anthem. You can hear his paranormal podcast, Inhuman Experience. You can find them on Twitter at IEXP underscore podcast. And you can find their show on Spreaker and SoundCloud. He's also the occasional third co-host on the THT Movie Podcast Review, which broadcasts every Saturday night at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard on Mixler. And you can find him on Twitter at Bobby Anthem. Send him a message. Show him some love. He is simply the best. We're actually very close to getting Bobby Anthem animated, which has been our campaign for 2018. So we are very excited to get Bobby Anthem animated. As for me... As these two jokers mentioned, we perform live improv comedy in D.C. with a group that's called Knox. That's N-O-X exclamation point. We perform with Washington Improv Theater. You can find tickets and times witdc.org. We have a free show that is coming up on October 30th, uh, which is a show that we do in the dark for Halloween. So that should be exciting, and you can find that all witdc.org. If you're looking for Dave, you can find him on Twitter at drclawmd. You can find all of his writings, Nerdist.com, Collider.com, and DaveTrumbor.com. Want to support us? Tell a friend and review us on iTunes. Boring, I know, but it actually really, really helps the show. Chat with us on Twitter, at MorningTunes. Remember, that's morning with the U. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook, at Saturday Morning Cartoons, or email us, SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. You can find all of these links in our social media bios using our link tree, It has a full list of all the cartoons that we watch, plus you can recommend a cartoon for us to watch. Those recommendations get priority. If you want to listen to us, you can listen to us on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever fine podcasts are sold. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back on November 5th with Netflix November and two of my favorite shows that we're going to be discussing that month. So I feel like we need to almost like howl this out. Like a werewolf. So, yeah, like a like a werewolf. <laughs> like a werewolf. <clears throat> so, uh, so if we were to do that, we would just be kind of like. <laughs> Actually, it's wah ah wolf. Okay, so we'll just do that. You want to? Oh right, yeah, here we, we go. Can do anything. One, wah. two, three. Wah wah, wah wolf. wolf. Perfect. Thank you so much for listening. Hey everybody! Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. 
Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.